0: I forgot how loud that was. I said, I warned everyone. I was like, it's loud. And then it still almost deafened me. And I Uh, But I missed
1: it so much.
0: (laughs) We were like, should we play that again? Because it was kind of a joke. But yeah, let's go ahead and do it. Anyway, everyone, welcome back to Explain It To Me, the show where we uh, have Ashton explain other fandoms to us that aren't Star Wars. (laughs) And literally the reason I wanted to do this show is for Rings of Power. And Mm -hmm. so we're finally doing it. The first two episodes premiered while we were all three at Dragon Con, and then Ashton and I got con crud from Dragon Con, so we were sick for episode three. Then Molly and I uh, had to go to Hollywood for the Andor <laughs> premiere. Uh, then... I can believe
2: you would go to Hollywood when there's Lord of the Rings to talk about. <laughs>
0: <laughs> then there was something. There was something else. And then episode five, we were all three of us at a bachelor party, uh, but we're finally... <laughs> we're finally able to get our schedules aligned so we can talk about the rings of power. We've all yes. been keeping up with it week to week.
2: Uh,
0: mm-hmm. Just haven't had time to actually talk about it. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks everyone. It sounds for like patience. a lot of
1: excuses. I don't know. It is a
0: lot of excuses. Um, but Matt McDonald, thank you for a super chat and for expressing your excitement at our return. Uh, I have a lot of questions over the past five, six episodes, five weeks. Um, but since we haven't had a chance to do this yet, I just, and I know what Molly's opinion of the show is, uh, Ashton, how have you been feeling about it as a Uber Tolkien fan? Uh,
2: I've been, I've been enjoying it a lot. Um, I think that it's exciting to see, um, the Lord of the Rings, um, like property actually start to get some new, uh, material. You know, because you see things like Star Wars and Marvel and all these things that are constantly evolving. And as, like, a big fan of Lord of the Rings, um, like, it's been kind of the same stuff for a while. Like, even when we've gotten new books, it's been basically, like, just a little bit of an expansion on stories that we've already heard. A lot of the stuff that's in this show is actually new. And, I mean, some of it they're they're adapting because it is, isn't adapt like, an adaptation to the TV medium. But, you know... I think that all the changes that they've made have been for the better, as far as storytelling within the framework that they have for TV. So I've been, I've been enjoying it quite a lot. Yeah. I think before it
0: even started, Oh, go ahead, Molly.
1: Well, I was just going to ask, does Lord of the Rings have like a legends series of books (laughs) to it? Kind of like how Star Wars has books that are like not really related to the canon. Does Lord of the Rings have that too?
2: Um, not exactly. So the equivalent of that for Lord of the Rings would be mainly the Silmarillion, which is basically like the first thing Tolkien worked on with Lord of the Rings and the last thing that he worked on. Like it's kind of a almost textbook format, history of Middle Earth Mm -hmm. and Arda. And, um, and, and that, that kind of is, is basically that there's some other books that have like, you know, um, other stories that are put together from Tolkien's notes. Some of them are contradictory to what he ended up settling on for the Silmarillion. So generally, like, canon is what's in the Silmarillion, because that was, like, the last thing he worked on. So um, as far as where he settled on certain ideas, it's what's in Silmarillion.
0: Gotcha. It still matches kind of the Star Wars thing of it's all mythology, though. So, And even he, I remember, between Hobbit and Lord of the Rings, He changed how Bilbo got the ring and he changed riddles in the dark and then kind of like we've been talking about uh, Andor and Fest and how they changed canon but alluded to it and pointed it out like didn't he in the intro to Lord of the Rings or the Hobbit when he changed that he was like so the first version is what Bilbo told Gandalf like the (laughs) lie that he said and the new version is what actually happened. (laughs) Yeah, well, and
2: also, like, as far as The Hobbit goes, that's all basically the book that Bilbo wrote, you know? Mm -hmm. So even within the, you know, the actual canon, while it is canon, there is a certain amount of, is there unreliable narrator? Maybe. Like, it's all from, it's all the stuff that Bilbo decided to write down, you know? Mm -hmm. And how he decided to write it.
0: Mm -hmm. Is that true of Lord of the Rings as well? Um, With with Frodo? uh,
2: I don't think so. Um, with Lord of the Rings, I think it's supposed to actually be just a telling of what actually happened. Although, you know, like Frodo is like writing the rest of the story and then Sam writing the very end of it. So it is sort of within the format of maybe it's actually the, the you know, writings of the actual characters. But, um, like, I don't know. There's some stuff that I don't think was actually that. And Lord, so Lord of the Rings is kind of different.
0: Mm-hmm and most of this show is coming from the appendices of lord of the rings
2: um a lot of it is it's also coming from silmarillion um you know well, this...
0: like kind of cuz that's legally yeah, they the don't have that but
2: well i think that they have rights over the stuff that's the second age and the silmarillion but i'm not 100% but, right. sure i haven't really looked into that sort of thing <laughs> it, it's yeah, all they been, have they like
1: rights to some stuff and not other stuff so they're kind of having to weave in and out of what they have yeah there's a... to
2: there's a lot of stuff that they just kind of allude to because they can't say it outright, you know, um, like for whatever reason they can get away with just like depicting things and being like, Hmm, wonder what those trees are about, you know, like, and (laughs) just not actually talking about it.
0: (laughs) And I think that actually I was about to say, I think it was Alden that mentioned, uh, on casterly talk that like they can say Morgoth, but they can't say Melkor and stuff like that.
2: (laughs) Yeah. It's kind of interesting. Um, (laughs) <laughs> who knows i mean I, I i haven't really like dug into what exactly they bought the rights to just because i didn't want to get inadvertently yeah. spoiled on anything but um it is kind of interesting to see how they kind of like navigate the legal hurdles <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. and i was going <clears> to <throat> talk about cuz you you mentioned it the fact that uh they had to adapt this to be an on-screen version of events and they're compressing like thousands of years into 40 episodes, right? And they've yeah. really compressed the timeline.
2: Well, because they explained it as like, you know, if they didn't if they didn't change the timeline a little bit um and a little bit, I guess it's kind of a big <laughs> bit. But, you know, if they didn't if they didn't change it at all, then what we would end up seeing is like we would have characters like Galadriel and Elrond and Gilgalad that are throughout the series, but basically all of the human characters would be con- constantly getting aged out of the story. And, oh, yeah. and getting replaced with new, you know, new actors playing new roles. And it would be very hard as an audience to actually like get to know those characters because mm-hmm. they, you know, unless unless they just expanded it to like 20 seasons or something ridiculous, we wouldn't have enough time with each of those characters to get to know them.
0: And like knowing a little bit about what happens to Tarmiriel and al and all the Numenor stuff, it's like, yeah, you'd only have a, <laughs> a couple episodes To get to know them, it's like, oh, and they're gone. It'll feel a lot better to build up that storyline.
1: Their names, just like, whatever two names you just said, they sound like (laughs) drug names to me.
0: (laughs) Farazon? Farazon, yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah, Ask your primary care provider about Farazon, it's right for you.
0: Side effects include betrayal.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, I I did want to bring this up, not just because we love Alden, but Aaron Deere is for sure like one of my favorite characters in this show so far
2: yeah he's been great i mean this has been a perfect example of how to correctly add new characters into an existing legendarium like i'm not going to get into it now but like the hobbit kind of had a problem with that where a lot of the new characters that they added felt like it was just to pad the time of the mm-hmm. of the series into a full three movies which was kind of unnecessary
0: find me one person that likes alfred and <laughs> yeah I'll, I'll show you a liar <laughs> yeah
2: and so i mean you know i don't want to be too negative about those movies but like i feel like they kind of are an uh, an example of of it going kind of wrong but this one's been great like all the new characters that they've added have
0: been amazing mm-hmm. and and they need to add someone that you don't know what's going to happen to him because this is the whole latest episode was very tense yeah with uh Arendir, Bronwyn, Adar, Theo, uh, all of those characters, I'm like, I have no idea what's going to happen to them, and I thought that they might kill all of them at some <laughs> point. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, and it's it's
2: really cool just to see what they're doing with, like, what was Mordor like before everything got, like, destroyed, basically, for mm-hmm. all intents and purposes. You know, like, there were people living there, like, what what was it like there? And I think they've done a great job of showing that. And... um. It's actually something that the um, the shadows of Mordor games actually kind of like explore a little bit. Is like, what's the part of Mordor that's not volcanic wasteland? You know, no. um, and and it kind of like does hint at the idea that before Mount before like you know Orodruin exploded, they had kind of a normal place. Then people lived there, and you know, I don't know. It's fun to see that because that's not really talked about in the books much at all.
0: So. Well, Since you brought... I was going to bring up the Shadow Games a little bit. We're talking about changes and adaptations and stuff. Has there been anything as a mega fan that's, like, rankled you along the lines of Sexy sexy Shelob? Okay, so I hate that. Um, (laughs) Which
2: we've talked about before. Um, But, um... You know, uh, as far as things that have rankled me, not really. Um, I th- There have been part... I haven't really gotten upset about any of the changes in the show. I've been constantly... It's actually been kind of fun as somebody who has, like, you know, understands the, the, the story from the books, trying to figure out, like, okay, so are they not going to include this thing? Are they going to work that in at some point? How is this going to line up? And, and trying to, like, figure out what they're going to do ahead of time is actually kind of fun. Um, so... I'm kind of glad that they didn't just do a direct adaptation for that reason. Um, plus, I think that they're absolutely right about it being very, very difficult to tell that story with the human characters constantly getting changed out.
0: I guess, Molly, you brought up the, the idea of Tolkien Legends or something. It's like, I guess the the shows are kind of that, or the not just the adaptations, the, the films and the especially the TV series, which is more of a changing things around, but still sticking to the spirit of the story. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm it's kind of kind of a tolkien legend situation
2: yeah sort of and i mean i guess the video games would be like just you know super out there uh not canon but you know like like a force unleashed version of you know <laughs> yeah
0: R- yeah <laughs> um what's been your favorite storyline that they've been telling so far
2: um i mean the last episode was probably my favorite episode and like we were saying before we before we actually went online, the um, ironically, m- my favorite storyline has been the um, the storyline with Elrond and and Durin, um, but they weren't even in this episode. But it's my favorite episode so far. So mm-hmm. I'm excited to see what they've been doing in the in the next episodes.
0: I've I've felt the same way. Really, the Southland stuff hasn't, even though I've enjoyed Deer quite a bit, and I've been intrigued. Uh, I haven't loved all the Southland stuff. I think the Harfoots are what I get most excited to see every time with the Stranger and all that. But agreed, none of that was in this episode, and it was the episode that really made me go like, okay, I'm into this series now. It really solidified uh, my enjoyment, and I want to know what's going to happen next. Molly, what's been your favorite storyline?
1: I would say the Harfoots stuff, too, because... Like, Nori is just a a delightful, tiny gift to all of us. Like, I love her so much, and I love her relationship with the stranger. And I was just thinking, because we just watched Hocus Pocus one and two, it reminds me of the relationship between Danny and Billy. Like, just like a very childlike kind of relationship between the two of them. So, I don't know. It's, it's, it's an, a nice change of pace for the other stuff in the show. That's like really serious and real, Like all the elves basically are like really serious all the time, except Elrond has like a little bit of humor.
2: But well, he's only half elf, so you know. There mm-hmm. you go. <laughs> he's got to joke around <laughs> some of the time.
1: Uh, but yeah, the Harfoots are adorable, and I just really want to know more about Meteor Man.
0: <laughs> I think the the Shire stuff in both the Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit movies, every time they're in the Shire, I love it to death. So the first introduction for the Harfoots, where they were all camouflaged and then like threw all the leaf blankets off and set up their little houses. I was I was like, this is awesome. I really loved all that. But yeah. also they have darkness to them and that they're like migrating and they're like, cut their wheels off, leave them behind. I'm like, oh, my <laughs> God. Well, and it's kind of cool. I, I found I
2: found that moment really neat because, um, like, the very beginning of Fellowship of the Ring and, con- like, concerning hobbits, where Tolkien starts talking about hobbits, the thing that he says that has always been a quality that they have is the ability to just, like, disappear and pass without trace uh, around the big folk and them just kind of, like, never notice them. And we kind of get to see, like, proto-hobbits doing exactly that, you know, which is just, mm-hmm. like, just cool. There are a uh, lot of little like fun nods to things from the books constantly in the show. If um, you, have
0: you read or watched it with the x-ray thing on? No. Uh, if you pull up your phone, if you're casting it, or if you watch it online with the x-ray Amazon stuff, it will pull up passages of the book huh. and the appendices. And it'll be like, this is where we got that from. Oh, it's really cool. interesting. I'll have to yeah. check that out. Uh, since you mentioned Durin being uh, one of your favorite storylines, uh did did you think the table story was true? Or like I called bullshit on it right away. I was like, I don't think that's real. Uh and um, then <laughs> seeing him laugh about it, I was like, Yeah.
2: I I actually didn't think that immediately that he was lying. I was surprised by that. I thought that was pretty funny. I mean, I was like, eh, it's kind of weird that there's like this this just like stone is so special to the like it's not like a or or anything like that, but I guess it makes sense. It's some kind of special stone. And then when they explained what he was doing, I was like, "Oh, that's hilarious! Like, <laughs> <laughs> that's perfect." <laughs> yeah. Uh,
0: so something that I th- I was told uh, by Rachel Cushing when I did Casterly talk with Alden Diaz uh, and Ken Napsok, she mentioned the Mithril origin story. So is is that that's all brand new? The whole yeah, like, that's new. There's a tree and a Balrog and an elf, lightning.
2: Yeah, that's all new. Um in mm-hmm. in the in the books there's um it it seems to be that mithril is only really found around Doom, but it might also be in Numenor and some other places because it's like they have stuff made of mithril occasionally and it's not clear where it came from. So, you know, it, it's it's not really stated for sure um what mithril is or where it comes from. It's just that um you know, the dwarves found it around Casa Doom at the very least, and it's very special as far as materials
0: go. Interesting. So, so I guess they're basically setting up that the light of the Silmarils is kind of within Mithril. So, if they can, uh, I have a lot of questions about elves <laughs> and them fading away. What sustains them? So that they're like going to build a Mithril lighthouse or something that can help. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know exactly what their plan is at
2: this particular point um, as far as how exactly they're going to distribute Mithril power to all of the elves, but um, what they seem to be alluding to is the fact that in Middle-earth or Arda, um, all the elves that actually like went to the Undying Lands and saw the two trees uh, from the prologue before they were destroyed by uh, Morgoth, um, they're like more in tune with their spiritual self and just more powerful than other elves Um, and men, you know, like they're just extremely powerful and, and, and spiritually strong. Um, And so I think what they're alluding to is the fact that now that the trees are gone and that power is no longer just circulating through the world, that uh, like spiritual energy is like waning within the elves. Um, I I think that Gilglad might be kind of like making some assumptions about it actually killing them because, like, there's elves that never went and saw the trees, and they're still elves. You know, like they're not just dead. So, um, I don't know. I'm 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 interested to see. I mean, it could also just be another like adaptation. They're just kind of changing something about the way that the world works, um, that, and that's fine. You know, <laughs> it's part of the story. I, I, I like I, the I, A- go, ahead, Molly. I-
1: uh, I like the idea of Celebrimbor just being a little too dramatic about the the story. <laughs> yeah, and then he's like, "We're all gonna die if we don't get this stuff." <laughs> yeah, and Elrond is like, "Okay, man."
2: I like that. I mean, it could so... be like you know Gilgalad <laughs> and Celebrimbor continuing to manipulate Elrond and getting him mm-hmm. to think that it's more serious than it is, so that he can talk Durin into letting them use Mithril.
0: I think I interpreted it as him saying, "We are going to fade away. We will eventually have to go." home and even if it's like in a thousand two thousand years it's like I guess to an elf it's not that long the way that they they set up you know I haven't seen Durin in 20 years and Durin's like where the hell have you been Mm -hmm. to an elf they're like oh my god we only have a a few thousand years before we all fade away we gotta fix this Mm -hmm. I guess that's how I interpreted it but yeah he's also being very serious (laughs) about the whole (laughs) thing um what in the first episode, they send uh, go, or try to send Galadriel back to Valinor. How and when and why do elves decide to go back? Can they do that whenever they want, or do they need Gilgalad's permission? Or what's the deal with going back to the Undying Lands?
2: So, um, okay, that is a complicated question depending on when and who you're talking about. So. <laughs> The Noldor, including, and, and Galadriel, when they went to Middle-earth in the first place from the Undying Lands, they actually, their party, not Galadriel's part of the group, but some of them killed other elves in order to get boats to sail to Middle-earth. And then they took them north and sailed them to Middle-earth. And then uh, before they did that, Manway, who's one of the Valar, who's like the Valar of fate, he's kind of like, um, like, like, um, Like the Fates from, you know, Greek mythology, that sort of thing. Um, He kind of sees the future, but it never really talks directly. He kind of stated that the Noldor were cursed and that they weren't allowed back into the Undying Lands because they had done great evil. So they continue with their oath because they swore to get the Silmarils back and they go to to Middle-earth. And then at this point, they're not able to go back to the Undying Lands because they're barred from going, just like humans are supposed to be. Um, After arendil goes and gets the velar and gets them to help defeat morgoth at the end of the first Age. um they lift the doom of mandos and the elves are then allowed to go back to the undying lands um but a lot of them still choose not to because they're still um some of them go to middle earth galadriel included because they were able to Kind of make something more of their lives and and do like great deeds and be heroes rather than just being an elf in the undying lands doing elf yeah. things you know <laughs> um and so <clears throat> Galadriel's story in the books is very interesting because she goes to middle earth with this ambition to become like a a hero or a leader and then eventually she has the chance to take the ring from frodo and she passes it up, and so her wisdom wins out over her ambition, and that's like the big climax of her story. And that's why she says in in you know in the movie and everything that she's passed the test; she'll remain Galadriel and go into the West. And mm-hmm. so, like her wisdom wins out over her ambition.
0: Um, so, and could she should could she not go west until that moment?
2: Well, she couldn't until um, until the end of the First Age. So, I mean, at this point, she could but she wouldn't because of her ambition. And in the the story that they're telling in the show, she has this sort of vengeance um, that Mm -hmm. is driving her. She's trying to fulfill her brother's oath um, to uh, destroy Sauron.
0: Which this episode did so much to build up that moment in Lord of the Rings. Like now I kind of get it more (laughs) that if she were to take the ring, it's like, yeah, that would be awful. Mm -hmm. I, I loved the conversation between her and Adar.
1: It's it's crazy that that was that's like the peak of her storyline because like thinking about that part in the movies it's just like oh yeah she just said no and it was all good and then now I guess she's ready to retire I don't know
2: <laughs> yeah it, it means a lot more if you know what's going on in the in the you know in the books because it's like centuries thousands of years in the making of her. You know, going to Middle Earth, becoming the leader of Lothlorien, which doesn't isn't a thing right away, as you're seeing in you know in this as of the uh, second age, it's not you know happened yet, and it's it's a very long story that culminates in her being offered the chance to become essentially the ruler of Middle Earth entirely, probably, and her passing it up because it's not right, you know. Yeah,
1: this makes sense that it was kind of a a test yes. for herself. Pr- mm-hmm. And then she wants to prove that she's worthy of actually going to Valinor.
0: Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll pop up to uh, Thomas. Thank you, Thomas, for the super chat. Really enjoying the musical themes. Your thoughts. I, I've
2: been thinking the music is excellent. Um, Especially the, um, there's actually one musical theme that plays that every time I hear it, I think it's the beginning of The Reigns of Castamere because it has me the too. first two. <laughs> notes and it plays I, the, noticed the same thing. <laughs> um, but overall, I've, I've been really liking it. I especially like the theme. The, I don't know if this is what they were going for, but the, the theme with the, um, like, sand um, mm-hmm. moving around, what it makes me think of is when you have, like, um, sound waves hitting a sheet with something like sand on it. And it makes me think of the, um, creation myth from, from the Silmarillion where Mm. the, um, are all singing their song and then Melkor sings his discordant tone. And that's like the part with the dark sand that's like winding its way through the sand, but it's, but it's still actually making the shapes that are intended. And it's, I don't know. That's what I think of whenever I see that theme.
0: That's neat. That's that the one. Up. That's the part of the Silmarillion I know best. I've read it like five times. <laughs> <laughs> that that's a really cool thought. But yeah, I think Howard yeah. Shore did the main theme. Bear McCreary is doing everything else. Uh, I haven't just taken the time to listen to it on its own much. Um, yeah, I haven't either. Just because of time.
1: I I mean I love the music. I couldn't tell you exactly. Like I could I don't think I could pinpoint what theme is what at this point, but I, I need to just go back through and listen to some of it. But it does sound very Lord of the Rings. Like it sounds mm-hmm. right for, for what this is.
0: Yeah, and I know the doing, main theme well. Well, and they're doing the
2: same thing that they did in the Lord of the Rings movies where they're they're like sort of telling the story with the music at the same time as you're watching it, you know, because they have themes for all of these characters and, and places and they're letting those kind of like weave in and, in and out of each other to, to sort of um, accompany the story, which is just really fun, instead of it just being something that is in the background for your ears to not, you know, be bored. <laughs> this is interesting.
1: The theme of Numenor is played by in- instruments that are never heard in Lord of the Rings or The Hobbit movies. Huh.
2: I, I never cool. noticed
0: that, but that is cool. I like that. Like, yeah, like the instruments were lost. <laughs> yeah.
1: Like the Numenorians were.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> spoilers
0: yeah I, I remember really liking cause of doom's music I, I always just like the dwarf music mm-hmm. um and and Numenor's theme is good uh but I need to just sit and listen to all of it
2: yeah mm-hmm. definitely
0: and uh our good friend Sean Sully thank you Sean uh it's just the Mithril story could all be false and the whole thing is a mislead to get Celebrimbor to build a tower possibly by some dark Lord which mm-hmm. does lead me to I mean this is kind of a question that I was going to say for later, but why not now? Do you think we've seen Sauron yet, or do, do you think they're going to save him for later? Basically, I, I think I'm going to ask like uh, Jeff Goldblum would in Jurassic Park. Do you think we're actually going to see some rings of power in this series <laughs> called The Rings of Power?
2: Uh, so I don't. Uh, okay, so yeah, I was actually going to say the same thing as Jesse. Poppy is definitely Sauron. Oh no. <laughs> um, but no I don't think so I think that I think that the, the stranger might be Sauron um possibly um mostly because I'm struggling to think of who else it could be unless they're really changing things and making it one of the wizards but that would be like actually a pretty big change um so unless that's the case the only other person I can really think of that it could be is Sauron um
0: just like he's his own thing and we haven't set, met him yet?
2: Um, What do you mean? Oh, oh, no, okay, I'm saying like a okay, stranger. I, I'm thinking that he yeah. like, you know, the whole comet thing that he... I don't know why he chose to do it that way, but he's setting himself up to look like he's essentially an Astari or something similar to that, and he's here to help when, in fact, he's actually Sauron.
0: Mm. So, so everything he's doing so far would be an act?
2: Either that or he somehow like... You know, it could be something where he's actually locked away part of his own mind and is mm. it's waiting to you know come back. I don't know. I yes. was just. I mean, I of... could or I could be wrong. Like, might oh, yes. just like <laughs> that's
0: like, a wizard or something similar. I really that. like what they're doing with the stranger because I have no idea, and it does mm-hmm. seem like he he'll do something very wizardly and beautiful, like with the fireflies. Mm-hmm. And you're like, wow, amazing! And then they all die, and you're like, oh no. <laughs> well, and and the part
2: where the cultists show up and examine Mm -hmm. the the crater.
1: That's what I was bringing up because we, everybody was talking so much about them when we saw them in the trailer and we've only seen them like once.
2: Yeah. And so so we know from the interviews before the show that those are like Sauron cultists that worship Sauron. So it makes me think that they're probably trying to track down Sauron at the same time that Galadriel is. Now, maybe they're wrong and and the crater is something else, but it makes me think that maybe the the theory that that the stranger is actually Sauron might be onto something.
0: Well, it's like I mean, obviously when he lands, there's some of it that just feels so obvious and on the nose but the whole crater looked like a burning eye and Mm And it was like the fire sun.
2: that didn't burn people, like you know, that was the same thing as the torch from the beginning part with Galadriel's yeah. people. Oh yeah, yeah.
1: The, I think was it Nori or Poppy said that like it wasn't hot.
2: Yeah, mm-hmm.
1: something like that. Yeah, and, Alex, and what was the at... what was the theory that you brought up? Whose
0: uh,
1: who, whose theory was this that? One.
0: I was. It's I heard it from Alden and Ken and Rachel and Casterly talk. That was the first time this had ever crossed my mind. But Torbis has a similar idea. So thank you for the super chat, Torbis. Uh, about Halbrand being very deceiving. He looks very fair. He's a smith. Uh, I think Elden's still here so he can help me with uh, whatever I forget. But he 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 has a lot of qualities that I'm like, Oh, my God. Is he just kind of manipulating Galadriel into being like, no, I don't want to go back to the Southlands. And she's like, you like convinces him to go, mm-hmm. quote unquote, convinces him. She that even has be, the line. That would she be has so brutal. Like, uh, some could say you're using me to get back to the Southlands and place a crown upon your head and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, that that would be awful. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. To have her spend this, spend all this time like helping him and them working together, for then (laughs) we find out for him to be Sauron, that would be heartbreaking.
2: Yeah, well, and and also he talked about how like Galadriel doesn't know what he's done before, like he was like working for, like aiding Sauron at the very least, or something like that before he found his way onto that flotilla. Also,
1: Adar like he kept asking him if he recognized him and
0: that was hilarious.
2: History with Adar. Yeah.
0: That that was something that uh, Rachel and all the, all the Casterly talk people brought up was that uh, he comes back and he's like, do you remember me? And he's like, no. And (laughs) at first I took that line as uh, the M. Bison from street fighter of like, (laughs) I've killed so many people. Like to me, that was just a Tuesday. Yeah. Uh, But then later on, he does ask like, Seriously, who are you? So if Adar did think he killed Sauron and then Sauron is coming back to get a little vengeance on Adar, like that's interesting. And yeah, we like everyone just accept this dude is king. He just shows up and they're like, "Are you the one we were promised?" and he's like, "I am." And they're all I like, am. "Yay." And I'm <laughs> like, "Can we see some qualifications? Some like seal of approval? I don't know, certificate of authenticity?" <laughs> <laughs> I think that it would be um,
2: I think it would be more likely that he might end up being like the witch king or someone right. like that. You know, um, I it, I mean, maybe he's Sauron and, just, and he's just do, like hiding completely. But I don't know. It doesn't seem like it to me. Maybe I he know, said like, yes yeah.
1: to, to being the new king because he knew what was about to go down.
2: <laughs> he's
0: yeah, like, yeah, maybe. sure.
1: I'll be your king.
0: That's everyone's he's got he's got the logo he's got a patch it's like I I can find a logo I'll carry a logo around if it What's makes it? me king. Yeah, he's What's got like the magic couch? car
2: keys of Mordor or whatever. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh
0: but yeah that that was a theory that I was like oh that holds a lot of water I think. And it does seem odd that we ha- wouldn't have seen Sauron by now but maybe they are saving him for season 2.
1: I've seen yeah, a few people say that the the little kid is the witch king.
0: Yeah,
2: that Theo might end up being the witch king. I I was kind of actually thinking that Theo might end up being a car- like end up turning that direction, but then with the way that the like last episode went, I kind of don't think so anymore.
0: Um I, I really liked that scene of him ridding himself of the power or at least trying to. He's the only one smart enough to open up the sack. Yeah, was just like come on people. It was tied up real good. Waldreg's <laughs> not anywhere to be seen. Open that bag up.
2: mm mm-hmm. Mhm.
1: That was a like, I had no idea what was happening when that all went down. I was like, okay, oh, it's the tunnels that they were digging, and then the water. And like, Alex, you you were like, oh, shit, like, I know it's what it's, uh, is about to happen. But well, I was well, the like, second it
0: was... panned up to Orodruin, I was like, oh no, which is such a good payoff of the tunnels. Is that that's mm-hmm. the
1: name of the volcano?
0: Yeah, Mount Doom is Aradruin,
2: yeah. is its actual name before then. And
0: that was a. They they called it out uh, an episode or two before. They just said something about a Rodruin over there, and I was like, I made the same yeah, case was, as I made when they said Slymore on Andor. I was like, Oh no! <laughs>
2: yeah, it was Bron when She mentioned like all the towns between here and a Rodruin or something, and it was like, Okay, yep,
0: that's where they yeah, are. They're <laughs> definitely in Mordor. <laughs> yeah, and even I I did not know what Udun meant. I didn't remember where it was or that it was even a location. But I knew opening up the, the episode list and like getting ready to hit play on the episode Udun, I was like, that's bad.
2: Yeah, <laughs> it actually means a few different things. Um, there's a few different things named Udun um, that are all kind of named after to each me. other. So Udun was <laughs> oh, a... Flame of another... Udun. <laughs> mm-hmm. Got it. Yeah, that was mentioned <laughs> by by uh, Gandalf. And the reason that he calls the Balrog Flame of Udun is because Udun also is a word that the elves use for basically like hell kind of um, or it's also a another name for atumno which was one of which was Morgoth's like um, fortress um, which is where the Balrogs take him in the you know first stage after he fights with Ungoliant so Udun and Balrogs being in Udun is a thing but also there was a region of Mordor that was named Udun after that so that's probably what they're
0: referencing in the in the actual mm-hmm. uh but it being labeled as hell is appropriate now i think yes mm-hmm. <laughs> uh we're jumping back a little bit but torbis uh had another theory when we were talking about the stranger and all that uh they're guessing he is tillion or a blue wizard i know the the blue wizards kind of who is tillion
2: tillion's an, it's another Myr. Um, from, from the Silmarillion, but it actually, I don't remember if he's in the Silmarillion or just some of the other books, but yeah, it's a, it's a Meyer of, oh no, it is in the Silmarillion because Tillian ends up being like the guardian of the moon when they actually create the sun and the moon. So yeah, that's, that's that one. Um, it would be, I mean, it would be kind of interesting if it was that. Um, but after, after Tillian is the guardian of the moon, I don't think we really hear anything else from that myr again cuz like in in the tolkien like in in at you know um in middle earth the sun and the moon and like some of the stars are actual like
0: you know characters doing stuff up in the sky right. so um, <laughs> like uh when they talked about elrond's father becoming a star uh it made me think of an avatar <laughs> when uh Sokka's like my girlfriend turned into the moon like, oh yeah life, buddy <laughs> had that same yeah.
2: Well, there was actually a really, co- that was one of the, possibly my favorite little like Easter egg moments is, I, I can't remember if it was this episode. No, it must've been the episode before. There's a shot of Numenor um, at night and it, you see a, a statue of Arindil with the Silmaril on his, on his brow. And in the background, you can see the star um, oh, cool. right behind it. It's really cool. Just single shot.
0: So he is literally a star. Like yeah, this- he,
2: he so they get like when when he went and found the Valar and got them to help in the war they gave him a flying ship and um and he has the Silmaril on like a crown and so he and his and his wife are on this flying ship and they had them go and fly through the heavens watching for uh, Morgoth's return from the void. So they're actually like flying around up in the sky and people can see the Silmaril from, you know, Middle-earth and it appears as a star
0: in the sky. So is he still up there or does he ever go back to the Undying Lands? No, he's still up there. <laughs> Just chilling. She's Just up there again. until... No one until told him like Morgoth is for sure gone.
2: <laughs> yeah, there's there's sort of a, um, there's like a final battle like Ragnarok kind of event that's mm. foretold in the Silmarillion. And it's said that he'll return then oh, cool. along with several other heroes from the story. You know, mm. That's neat
0: uh hey what's up geo flores has another question just curious if the shadow mordor game is canon at all to the show or movies
2: uh no (laughs) short answer is no it um i i like what some of the things that they did like i was mentioning earlier i like that they explored you know like what's the rest of mordor like besides like beradur and mount doom you know and like the black gate what's the rest of it like you know what what's the like point of the Black Gate, why was it there in the first place? Like they kind of talk about some of that stuff, which is cool, but then it kind of goes off the rails with like you know people making new rings and getting wraith powers and things like that that don't actually make a whole lot of sense, so
0: and it's like I mean Golem is in at least the first game. I haven't played Shadow Four at all, but it's like tenuously connected, but <laughs> not directly, I guess, yeah,
1: there you go the cali, <laughs>
0: yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and like Celebrimbor is just like a ghost for some reason. Like <laughs> that's not really a thing that happens to elves when they die. So
1: <laughs> I had to Google what sexy Shelob looked like.
0: Uh, no, is, is she sexy? <laughs> is she a sexy spider?
1: I approve. Yeah,
0: she's supposed to just be a big spider, so. <laughs> and that's it.
1: <laughs> a couple of people in chatter talking about the this this light. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. So um so in in the uh Lord of the Rings um Galadriel gives Frodo the light of Erendil um which is basically like some kind of water that's been like that's absorbed light from that star specifically somehow some elf thing, you know. <laughs> but some of those elf, elf powers. <laughs> but yeah, I mean it's it's pretty cool. I mean, you know, she's like, "Hey, here's the light of my uh Let's see. Um, Cousin? I'm trying to think of how they would be related. So Elrond <laughs> is her son in law. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what you would call <laughs> that, but my son in law's dad shines some light into this, <laughs> this vial <violent> of water. <laughs> uh,
0: so, so, we are talking about elves and stuff, and that's, I, I want to ask why are Celebrimbor. Oh, yeah, what's your take on Celebrimbor and Gilgalad? Why are they being so shady? I guess they are afraid that they're gonna lose their immortality or something but well they, so there Gil-Galad... seemed I, I was expecting Gilgalad to be like this big noble character only knowing what i have briefly seen of him in the prologue of lord of the rings but he's he's been kind of a jerk
2: well so Gilgalad is is supposed to be kind of a big hero kind of character he's the high king of the noldor um but he also has just like survived like this massive war with morgoth and cleaning up afterwards and seeing the entirety of Balerian destroyed by what Morgoth did. Like he's seen massive, he's had massive amounts of loss. Um, and so while he is a good character, he's also a, a hardened character, you know, like he's gone through a lot. So mm-hmm. if, um, you know, not keeping Elrond in the know helps them save all the elves. He's, he's the kind of character that would probably do that, you know?
0: Um, that, that's something that I think has been uh, I wasn't expecting from the show at first is that all of the, the good guys have been cagey with each other I was expecting it from the elves and the dwarves but like the elves and the Numenorians are not cool with each other but I, I like knowing that we are building towards a last alliance and that all of these people are going to put aside their differences and stand together on the slopes of Mount Doom now that we see it be created yeah. but Mm-hmm. It's weird seeing them all being a little more like unwilling to work together right now.
2: Yeah, the, you know, it, I mean, the the dwarves and the elves like sort of did fight together during the war against Morgoth, but yeah, there's like a lot of baggage with their relationship with each other that is not good. And so mm-hmm. it kind of they are uneasy allies at best most of the time. Um, What's
0: the deal with the Númenorians? Why do they dislike elves so much.
2: Um so the Numenorians um so they were given the island of Númenor when um after the war with Morgoth and Beleriand was destroyed, they were given that island to live on as their their people were called the Edain and they were the the humans that fought with the elves against Morgoth. And They were allowed to settle on Numenor, which was very close to the Undying Lands, because they had a really good relationship with the Elves, and a lot of those Elves went back to the Undying Lands. Um, And then their first king was Elros, which is Elrond's brother, and Elros chose to be immortal. Like they were both given the option of either being a mortal man and and being like really important and like kings. Or being an elf and just being like just another elf, basically. Um, and they chose, you know, different options. Um, and the Numenorians were very close with the elves. That's part of the reason they were given the Pelantirs, was that um, the elves gave them the Pelantirs because they couldn't go to the Undying Lands, but they were so close that the elves had a Pelantir in the Undying Lands and they were able to communicate with the Numenorians using those seeing
0: stones. So that's basically um, a tin cannon string mm-hmm. sort of yeah <laughs> like a magical version of it it has to be close enough but <laughs> yeah
1: basically yeah walkie talkies
2: <laughs> but um over time the well so it's different in the in the in the show versus the books um, in the books it's Sauron's influence um mm. in the show it's that um, you know they've seen this vision through the pelenteer through that one partic- particular particular that the, you know, downfall of Numenor will begin with Galadriel arriving. Um, so that's why they were so anti-elf in the show. <laughs> Is I also that like evil, this idea
1: or? that they they want to be immortal, but they can't, but they know the elves really well, so they're just jealous.
2: Yeah, I guess that the, like, general populace of Numenor doesn't probably know about the vision. So I guess their sort of opinion about elves might just be that they're kind of outsiders, you know, the Numenoris have been doing fine living on their island by themselves for hundreds of years um, and nobody else kind of, you know, coming in and bothering them. But they also mentioned like elven workers coming in and like they're immortal and don't have to sleep and stuff. So maybe <laughs> yeah. like in part of Numenor, there are some elves that are just like, you know, making shirts and stuff. I,
0: don't well, know. I think that's what I think that's what Alferazon said was going to happen. It's oh, okay. like, oh, elves are gonna come in and take your derbs. Right.
1: <laughs> is what okay. we see in the show, is that the original Numen like Numenor that um, they had? Because I, I didn't they say that like I think Asildor was talking about that not being oh true not being Numenor. like the true
2: Numenor. Yeah, they talk oh, about like was... the west of Numenor, and I thought he was sure... metaphorically
0: speaking about that. Like that's Numenor's something I'm actually curious was. about
2: because they also talk about Anarion, which is um, Isildur's brother. I was gonna going to going it, yeah. west, and I'm curious what that means exactly. Like, is there like a colony of Numenorians that live on like the furthest west portion of the island that's kind of like separate that's pro-elf or something? I, I'm not really sure. Hmm.
0: And because the the two Argonath or Isildur and Anarion, right? Um, I think it's Elendil and Isildur. Oh, is it okay? I yeah. thought Anarion. Like Anarion, we gonna see him at all? Because I thought yeah, he was he's still supposed
2: part of to be it. alive. Um... <laughs> he's in the LA <laughs> <Numenor>. oh, <yeah. laughs> He's yeah. he's
1: got a great screenplay that he wants you to read.
2: Uh-huh. <laughs> he got sent to the west of Numenor for a Pelantir premiere. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't know. Um, I mean, he's supposed to still be alive because he becomes the king of the northern kingdom. Um, okay. So, yeah. <laughs> uh,
0: all right, I think that got through all of my questions, but uh, we didn't really talk about just this episode all that much, uh, which, I, again, my favorite episode, but I think part of it is because of how well it was built up over the past five. Uh, this one was just the episode where it like grabbed me, and I was like, okay, I see what they're doing, and I, I get it a lot more. It's starting to make me feel... More like watching the Lord of the Rings films,
1: uh, mm-hmm. and I'm
0: I'm psyched about that.
1: We, we talked a lot about the the Numenorean armor and how you said that it looked a lot like which other armor?
0: I don't remember <laughs> the because the, they had the, the ponytails. Oh, the so, Rohan armor. Yeah, yeah it's ro- kind yeah. of like the Rohirrim. Yeah, the, the helmets at least. Yeah. Um, how do you think they're going to handle that? Because I know Rohan is supposed to be way off into the future but
2: yeah so at this point the you know the people that eventually become the people of Rohan um are still uh, living in the north um and haven't come south yet for quite a while it, it would be much later so I mean it's possible with them editing the timelines that they could make that a thing but I kind of doubt it now because at first I was thinking maybe it'll be a thing because we saw that horse sword in the in the promos but now we see that the cavalry of numenor are the ones that actually use those style swords so mm.
0: um probably not
2: do you One think we're my... gonna get
0: to oh go ahead Molly.
1: no go ahead i was gonna change it the subject
0: <laughs> i was too
1: oh,
0: okay oh <laughs> did you think they're gonna get to building like minas tirith minas Ithil? are we gonna see all of that by the end or is that all happen after uh the last alliance
2: um, I think that we probably will see that because they're built first. Because okay. you know, Minas Tirith and Osgiliath and Minas Ithil are there first, and then when Sauron actually comes back as like a Dark Lord, he takes over um, Minas Ithil and it becomes Minas Morgul. So, okay. Um, so that's there first. So um, maybe. I mean, um, it would be pretty. I, I'm I'm interested to see what they do with the timeline with all of that, though, for sure. Um,
1: this comment made me think of what I was going to say, because we we've seen Legolas have these various just kick ass moments where he takes down an entire elephant of people or whatever those <laughs> are called. And like this comment made me think the destruction of that <laughs> tower with Arendir, Is that his name? Arandir Arandir That was so badass. That was so cool. <laughs> I was <laughs> like. We know the elves are cool. Do they do they have to do this and be even cooler? But yeah.
2: I mean, I th- I felt like his like Legolas moment was him catching the arrow and then shooting Which it was back at also the orcs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was he's had, great, yeah, cool he's moment.
1: had a couple of good just like moments like that.
0: I mm-hmm. remember we were watching that on the plane home from the Andor stuff. And I, I just remember being on the plane going, oh, as he caught the arrow and shot it back. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the I thought that the destruction of the tower was very balanced. It, it wasn't Legolas taking down an entire Oliphant. It Oliphant. wasn't surfing down the stairs. But it, it was cool enough that he just like made a good shot, uh, took down the whole tower, and then kicking that stone to close the doors was just, that was just neat. Yeah, <laughs> like locking them in there. <laughs> yeah. Um, I do. Uh,
2: I do like uh, Torbis commented about um, seeing uh, Narsil in the Pelantiri mm-hmm. episode. I was mm-hmm. also very excited about that.
0: And what, um, what else was in there? Because you you were at the bachelor party. I think you were telling me about <laughs> one of the spears, and that, that all fell out of my head. Well, it was an axe. So you see, okay. um,
2: yeah, Narsil is there, um, which I guess at some point is going to get given to a Lindil. Um, and then you also see Drameleg, which is the axe of uh, Tuor who's a human hero who wasn't a Numenorian or anything, but when uh, the Numenorians left to go settle Numenor, they took that ax with them. And that's the last we hear about it. So it's cool that we saw it in like that room, like that artifact room or whatever. Also, I'm pretty sure the dragon helm of Dorloman was in the background, which is another, um, you know, heirloom sort of cool artifact, which we actually saw a number of times previous because I'm, that was we see the dragon helm of Loman in one of the carved Elven statues on the trees when Galadriel oh, yeah. is talking about oh, that all was those cool. memorials, and then I think it was one of the heads that uh, that Durin's kids were walking around inside of it in that one scene. So <coughs> either that or it's a helmet that's <coughs> that's designed the same.
0: We need to make that meme of like the the predator handshake uh, where it's. Lord of the Rings, or Rings of Power, and Andor, giving people like a little museum full of Easter eggs to look at. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, oh my god, I like this Brian... part,
1: I was oh, like, yeah. that part, it I was like too much for me. I was like so grossed out. And I, I kept <laughs> screaming, close your mouth!
0: I, yeah. I really want to talk about the brutality <laughs> of this show surprised me. I also wanted to point out, I like Brian Ferreira's question. I think it's a good question to end on uh, yeah. about so we'll come back to that but the sixth episode was really violent like i was i i expect it from game of thrones or something but from watching lord of the rings it's like yeah you're gonna see a couple orcs get their heads chopped off but that's about the extent of it it was brutal watching them like slowly stabbing villagers
2: yeah or it was an interesting decision from a um writing perspective for them to make it a theme of like oh let's show a lot of orc blood so that when he finds Mm -hmm. the red human blood it'll be obvious why that's important you know that their blood looks different Mm, um and yeah it was it was I, i thought it was interesting i mean they did have moments where i was like man these orcs are under a constant like high psi Like they're just like they get popped and just like shoots out of them, (laughs) but but it was it was cool. I mean, it was it was surprising. It was surprising to see from a Lord of the Rings
1: thing. It it made me think of there's like one shot I think in one of the Lord of the Rings movies where an Urukai is like getting stabbed and he just like stabs it in even further. Yeah, so it made me think about that. But like that was a. I mean, we didn't really get that graphic in those movies.
0: Yeah. I, they, I think the worst thing they did in the movies was the catapults full of human heads. Like, that was pretty rough, <laughs> but we didn't see the murders. Yeah. Uh, th- I was just not expecting the amount of human violence to happen in this series. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh. But, oh, good.
1: I had a question, because this reminded me of it. Uh, He put those little seeds in her. Was that to heal her?
2: Um, I think those seeds were just like uh, very flammable. And so the point was that they would like go up really fast and hot.
0: Oh. uh, (laughs) Molly asked what happens when you did that. And I said, that's how ints are made. And she said, really? And I was like, no. I thought you were for real. I was like, that makes sense. Oh, yeah. No, those elves,
2: they make ints and then they skin them and make breastplates out of their faces.
0: Oh, no. Uh, you, you had uh, last week at the bachelor party, you had a lot of fun theories about Adar. Uh, how do you feel about the reveal that he's like just one of the OG Uruks?
2: I like that. I, I, I like this a lot. Um, so my theory originally was that it might have been Aol or uh, Meglin who somehow survived what happened to them in Gondolin which I then told you about for like two hours.
0: Um, (laughs) Again, bachelor party. Don't remember. That was...
2: (laughs) But no, the the reveal that he's one of the Moriandor, which is a new term that's not from the books, but um, that he's one of the first... um, He's like the first step towards an orc um, is really cool. It it speaks to one of Tolkien's uh, notes about where orcs might have come from, but he never actually specified for certain where orcs originally came from. He kind of went back and forth in his notes about it. Um, But one of the prevailing theories and the one that they talk about in the movie um, is Saruman talks about how they were elves once and then they were twisted Mm -hmm. into, you know, the orcs. Um, So this is, we're still going with that theory as far as where orcs come from. And uh, I thought it was neat to see, okay, this is what like the first generation of that process turns out to be.
0: Um, yeah, I never expected them to still look like elves. Yeah, I, I guess I just never thought that there would be a, a missing link, so to speak, but I liked that he bled black. I and... mean, it makes
2: sense. Like <laughs> if he took elves and then tortured them and like abused them to the point of them basically not being elves anymore and like changing them into something else, it makes sense that they would at least still resemble elves and mm-hmm. that they would have the immortality of elves potentially. I mean, I, I feel like, so the way that elves normally die is by either being like killed by an orc or um, losing the will to live and then they like expire. So I, I
0: like
1: Padme. <laughs> yeah.
2: So I guess this, I guess Adar was just a particularly like strong-willed elf who wouldn't, uh, you know, wouldn't give up uh, holding yeah. on to life. So
0: I think it's so interesting because, like, I talked about how uh, they did a lot of uh, human violence in the series. But and we're so used to seeing orc violence. But Adar views them as like his children, and it it humanizes the orcs a lot. (laughs) It is kind of interesting that we're getting
2: that kind of gray area of like because Tolkien typically is very like good versus evil. Mm -hmm. It's pretty straightforward in the in the in the movies at least, what they cover in the movies. There's some stuff in the books that's a little bit less so, and especially in the Silmarillion. But we're seeing that in this story, which is really interesting, like actually exploring like, OK, so, you know, orcs are still people kind of um, like his whole thing about their servants of the secret fire, just like the elves um, is basically him saying that they're people and they have like souls and they have names and desires. And, you know, it, they're not just some object, which is interesting (laughs) that's part of why tolkien went back and forth in his notes about it was he wasn't hmm. sure that he wanted to humanize the orcs in that way um but at least i think that's that's why but
0: you know um something alden said in casterly talk i liked a lot is that if you take adar's speech to the orcs out of context and it's just all you know are the words it's a very heroic speech and if you take Galadriel's speech to Adar about how she's going to hunt you down and like, I'm going to keep you alive until you know that all of your offspring are dead. It's like, take that out of context. That's the villain's speech. And, yeah. Uh, it, it's it's really cool the way they're writing this story.
2: Well, and Adar's comeback to that was really cool, too. Uh-huh. Where he was like, oh, maybe your search for Morgoth's, you know, uh, his, um, you know. What was the word Check the mirror. Used? Yeah, basically. Yeah. I thought that was really neat. <laughs>
1: saying, basically saying that she's been twisted by darkness just as mm-hmm. much as he has been.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> uh, and we do see also that about.
2: Adar has like the blood that the orcs have. So he actually, yeah. Uh,
0: mm-hmm. yeah. That, that little what, cut to his neck. neck mm-hmm. I was like, ooh. Yeah, he bleeds black. <laughs> uh, and Tom, thanks for the super chat. Sorry, just arrived. But how do the Urukai fit into this taxonomy with orcs and Adar?
2: So Uruk-hai were basically um, Saruman's idea of a perfected orc. He, you know, Saruman is all about technology. He's another Maiar of Ayule. So he's all about, you know, machines and technology and crafts. And he works out a way to um, breed orcs that no longer are susceptible to sunlight. They don't like it, but they're not like literally catching on fire. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're bigger and stronger and all of that. And he, there's a, those are called Uruk high, but those don't come along until, you know, Saruman and Isengard. Mm-hmm.
0: So Uruk just means orc in black speech and high is just kind of like a heightened yeah. version of them.
1: Mm-hmm. Super orc.
0: Super. orc. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I'll pop back up to Brian's super chat. Cause I think this will be a good way to close things out. Uh, even though we're we're going to we're planning on covering the last two episodes, uh, week to week, so hopefully we will still be able to do that. But what do you think our season one cliffhanger will be? Where are we headed with the last two episodes? Speculate responsibly. <laughs> <Aww>. <laughs> <laughs> I still have that up. Wing.
2: So I think that our cliff what the cliffhanger will be.
0: Hmm. Or or maybe. Uh, resolution like what what's going to be the end it, it might feel I mean, like a full kind of complete season story
1: I expect us to figure out a little bit of like who the stranger is and that could be one of the cliffhangers I think there's potential for several cliffhangers
2: mm-hmm. yeah I think that one of the cliffhangers might be the stranger finally like giving them a name for him and him saying that it's Anatar if he is actually Sauron um, that would be really cool because that's the alias that Sauron Mm -hmm. goes under when he's actually just trying to be like a peer as a good guy. Um, That could be one thing. Um, I think that the Numenorians are going to get hung up trying to like track down orcs and deal with Mordor exploding. And that's why they're going to stick around and build like Minas Tirith and things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm curious if Isildur's sister is going to get involved with actually like designing Minas Tirith and things like that, because she's part of the crafting guild. Um, where that's all going to go, uh, what's going to happen to Muriel, you know, um, how does, how is Farazan going to end up taking over, uh, that sort of thing. But
0: I was surprised that they, maybe that won't happen.
2: Maybe it'll happen differently than in the book.
0: (laughs) I was surprised that they explicitly stated that they were cousins. I was kind of like, they don't have to say that he can still force her into marriage and everything. Mm -hmm. Oh, oh, but they said it.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that, I mean, it is kind of interesting. The show's called Rings of Power. So um, it would be kind of weird if we don't get any, like, Rings of Power in the first season at all. Um, so maybe if whoever turns out to be Sauron or Anatar ends up like, getting in contact with Celebrimbor, mm-hmm. and then he like opens an like letter or something and it's like oh I can make rings magical and maybe that'll like help get the energy to the rest of the elves or you know something like that or him like opening like some notes similar to Gandalf in the libraries of Minas Tirith and like uncovering lore about rings of power you know something like that. I think that we'll see something about oh Celebrimbor is planning on making some rings. Yeah, um, I think maybe that's where it'll wrap up the first season. Uh,
0: yeah, I'm kind of feeling like they maybe will reveal Sauron, whether it's someone that we know already or someone who's just like, "Hello, Celebrimbor, I have an idea." Mm-hmm. Have you heard of rings? Yeah. <laughs> End credits.
2: Yeah, or like maybe it'll be one of those like cultists. We still haven't seen what they're doing at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, I think that I think that the next episode will probably see a lot more about what is going on with the stranger and the cultists and, you know, the dwarves and everything. Um, So I don't don't know. I'm excited to see what happens with all that.
1: I'm curious as to what we see for the Harfoots in the finale. Like I, am afraid that Nori and her and Poppy and like her family get, they get left behind
2: yeah no, well, I, don't I mean, also if the stranger turns out to be Sauron, Poppy already called it saying that the all the bad things that happen for the next three seasons are gonna be their fault um, <laughs> Oops. but yeah, um I don't yeah i'm I'm curious what will happen with them. I mean, I don't think that they'll steal their wheels and leave them behind or whatever <laughs> um, but yeah, we'll see. I mean, I guess now they're like on good terms because the stranger saved uh what's her name yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: (laughs) Oh, yeah, that big boar that attacked them.
2: The wolves, yeah. The think like, weird wolves.
0: I think there's a potential for, like, four or five cliffhangers, kind of the way Game of Thrones would end their seasons, of every storyline gets a little tease for what's to come Mm -hmm. in season two. I I think we'll probably follow that similar format.
2: Well, I like that some of the storylines a la Game of Thrones have merged also like the Numenorian yeah. storyline and the Southland storyline have kind of become the same storyline now. Although yeah. we still have, have some people dwarves in Numenor a bit. and we're like, what are they doing? But um, yeah.
1: Yeah. Cause like when the first couple episodes, I was like so confused as to what was going on and like what direction we were headed for mm-hmm. the story. But yeah, now that some of the storylines are combining with the other ones, it's, it's becoming a lot more clear.
0: Yeah, Yeah, I'm enjoying seeing everything start to come together. And I assume they will even more. uh, Hopefully it doesn't take all the way to the last alliance. But is that I mean, now we're jumping way ahead. But do you think that is like the last few episodes of the entire series? I think that's where it'll
2: culminate. I mean, at least that's the idea, you know, Mm because the last alliance and their fight against Sauron is the end of that age. So mm-hmm. if that's what they're supposed to be covering with this show, it makes sense that it would lead up to that. Um, and we'd get kind of a like retelling of the prologue from fellowship of the ring, which would be pretty cool um, yeah. as far as, you know, being able to watch the show and then it leads straight into the movies.
1: This reminded <laughs> me, we we kind of had this thought too, of like the thing that he does kind of looked like something, a wizard would have done with the with their staff
0: mm-hmm. well he looked like there was a gnarly looking tree next to him and i was like oh is he about to i thought he was going to rip a branch off and start oh. wielding magic out of it but yeah again they're really keeping some, us guessing with him.
2: i saw some other funny pe- like theories being like oh is it tom bombadil you know or somebody mm-hmm. like that which would be kind of funny it
1: doesn't i think alden <laughs> w- alden said, said that, something yeah. about oh
2: really was that in the comments earlier i missed that one um but yeah I mean like at at this point, it's anybody's guess my my feeling is that he's gonna end up being Sauron, but I could completely be wrong like that's just a you know feeling
0: <laughs> he could end it, up they're being doing like, a good job of whatever like th- there's so many clues that I'm like that feels too obvious, but maybe they think we'll think it's too obvious, and I don't know
1: <laughs> sauron is is mephisto right now,
0: yeah, that's <laughs> when's Mephisto showing up, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, cool. I think that's a good stopping point. And we will, I don't know when next week we'll do it. Maybe we'll do it closer to Friday or Saturday or Sunday again, whenever we'll figure it out. But (laughs) I think our schedules are a little more open right now, so we should be able to finish off the season. Um, But thanks for explaining everything to us, Ashton. Yeah. (laughs) Do you have anything uh, you want to (laughs) plug?
2: Yeah. I mean, I'm doing a video with Slam Sector, which is like our oh, Warhammer yeah. thing. Oh, yeah, in yeah. A week or so. So I think we're going to do like a, a, there's a Warhammer Magic the Gathering set that's coming out that we're going to do some stuff with. So, Cool. Um, yeah. Check out Slam Sector. We're doing Warhammer stuff. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And they have and great Danny Packs.
0: Yeah. Well, they're tactical <laughs> dice holders, actually. oh <laughs> sean sullivan in chat had one uh on our on happy hour the other night and i was like did they send one to you and he was like no i bought one I was <laughs> like, uh, nice <laughs> <laughs> so they're already selling like hotcakes. Yeah. but uh we will be back live streaming again on wednesday to cover and or on our after show no ifs and or buts and then mm-hmm. we'll be doing uh, lego stream on thursday and then next weekend sometime we'll we'll talk about Rings of Power, episode seven. But that's it for today. So thank you all for watching. And what's a good, what's a good? Not may the force be with you, but something that's Lord of the Ringsy that we could say.
1: May the light of the Silmarils uh, light your way. I don't know. Perfect.
2: <laughs> Ending broadcast. <laughs>